one of the things that we will urge the governor to do, should we have the opportunity, um, this is, is the opp- this is it. Well, this is an opportunity. <laughs> Welcome to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. I'm Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm Maria Doulis from the Citizens Budget Commission. You can find our work online at cbcny.org and follow us on Twitter at cbcny. I'm at Maria Doulis. And I'm at Tweet Ben Max, and we're at Gotham Gazette. You can find Gotham Gazette's work at gothamgazette.com. We're a publication of Citizens Union Foundation, watchdog policy and politics publication looking at New York City and state. Here on What's the Data Point, we're diving into all those issues, budget issues, policy issues, political issues, where they all intersect and how they affect people's lives in New York. Uh, So on this episode, we're joined by another guest, Alex Matheson, the president of Blue Marble Project and campaign director for Move New York. Welcome. Nice to be here. And for our data point today, Maria... The data point this week is $1.5 billion. That's the amount of money that can be raised by the congestion pricing or tolling plan known as Move New York. The plan introduces tolls to the East River bridges, but also reduces tolls on several other outer borough crossings like the Throgsneck and the Whitestone bridges. It also calls for surcharges on taxis and for hire vehicles and lays out specific plans for using the funding generated to improve all modes of transportation across the city. Alex, welcome. Thank you. So, Alex uh, Matheson, tell us a little bit, before we really dive into all the details of Move New York, just tell us a little bit about sort of who you are and how this started and what Move New York is. So, Move New York is a coalition of about 75 or more uh, civic organizations from around the New York metropolitan area, mostly obviously in the city of New York. So, we're talking about labor unions, uh, uh, environmental justice organizations, environmental groups, transit advocacy groups, uh, et cetera, all of whom are very concerned about the state of our mass transit system, and also many of whom are concerned about the state of our roads and bridges, and also the very serious traffic congestion problem we have here in the city. So in 2010, in the wake of the failed uh, Bloomberg effort to pass congestion pricing in 2000 and, and 2007 and 2008, uh, we formed this coalition, uh, got a lot of the old folks who had supported that plan, got a lot of the foundations together, and set out to come up with a, an improved plan that was less Manhattan-centric and more focused on the outer boroughs, uh, and also to come up with a better strategy for building support for such a plan. And that really meant having patience from the very outset, understanding that to build support for a plan as complicated as this and that can you know, uh, uh, not uh, feasibility. Yeah, not not engender support from every uh, 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 quarter. Uh, it's really important to go out and do the spade work, to do the grassroots work, to really get people to understand. But also importantly, to hear from people, particularly from Queens and Brooklyn and Nassau County and Westchester and the Bronx and Staten Island, those places that where there may have been some opposition to past attempts uh, to toll the East River bridges or to bring congestion pricing. So we spent literally the last six or seven years. On essentially a listening tour, we introduced a bill uh, uh, last year in the, in the New York State Legislature, but uh, that's essentially who we are as a group of, of civic organizations and others who care deeply about the state of our mass transit uh, system and roads and bridges and are trying to fix the problems. So at the forefront is mass transit system part, and I mean, you can't completely separate it, but congestion, you know, where the congestion pricing term, you know, that's sort of a... a 
1A or 1B or number two here, right? It's like funding and improving the mass transit system, but also addressing congestion issues? Yeah. I, I think the number one priority is to is to rescue the mass transit system. Um, I think, th- and the simple reason is, is that about 80% of the New York metropolitan area's commuters and other travelers uh, rely on that transit system to get around. A much smaller percentage rely on their cars to get around. So that is the, 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 the bugaboo, if you will. And the Citizens Budget Commission has been very clear in saying, and we agree, that if you look around, everybody to a certain extent is contributing, but the one group, at least in certain respects, that hasn't contributed quite enough are the motorists. And so we think it's very important when we look around uh, struggling to find new sources of revenue to support uh, our transit system and the maintenance, upgrading, and expansion of it so that it can we can pull it into the 21st century and compete with other international cities, uh, we have to look at, the, at those sources of revenues, and motorists certainly are a logical place to look because in certain respects, um, they're not paying enough. And in other, other motorists, on the other hand, as we'll get into, are paying way too much. So it's, a, it's about finding a balance. Right. And I guess just to bring it back here, um, so the logic of having motorists fund part of mass transit is that their being on the road creates these negative externalities for everyone else. And that's in terms of pollution, in terms of congestion, in terms of extra traffic. And so it makes sense for them to pay a little more, both towards the maintenance of the roads and bridges themselves, um, but also to kick off a little to fund mass transit, which has positive externalities if you want to sort of think about the theory and get a little wonky with it. Um, But, you know, there are also benefits, I think, for drivers, which drivers don't always think about. They look at the cost and say, I'll be paying something where I wasn't before. But you've you've got to spend a lot of time modeling this out and thinking about, you know, what it could mean for a reduction in um, cars on the road, for increase in vehicle speeds. What are some of the specific benefits in terms of those kinds of aspects that drivers can expect? Because, you know, we just completed a citywide survey that found 20 percent of people are are satisfied with traffic, which means 80 percent of New Yorkers are really unhappy um, what kind of improvements can we expect to see if you're a driver on the road? Well, I wonder whether I should back up and just very briefly describe what the plan yes, does. Yes, I was going to say uh, to listeners, you know, yeah. you should, you know, if you're listening to this and you have the capability, you know, you could be scrolling and looking at the plan at the same time, but certainly yeah. go ahead. Yeah. yeah, let me try and give you an, a, a thumbnail of what the plan is. So the basic proposition is uh, put tolls on those facilities, those bridges or those crossings where there are no tolls now and and into areas that do otherwise have not only a lot of traffic congestion, but a lot of transit options on the whole for most people in the region. Uh, And then the, uh, the, the companion proposition is if this is really going to be congestion pricing, you should also lower tolls on those bridges where you don't have as much congestion and you don't have good transit alternatives. And that, in our uh, case, is the, the seven MTA bridges, the Verrazano, the Throgs Neck, the Whitestone, the Triborough Bridge, the Henry Hudson, the two uh, Rockway Bridges. Those are the ones you reduce. Those the are the ones that all right. go down in, in price and not by some incremental token amount. By nearly 50%, we would drop those tolls. So in the case of the Throgs Neck or the Verrazano, that's 
that's $5 uh, a round trip a day, which is a significant reduction. In return, we would p- restore tolls on the four East River bridges. Remember, those were all four tolls way back when, and granted, it's been 100 years since they were, uh, but nonetheless, restore those tolls and also put electronic tolling across 60th Street, all the way across 60th Street. And by doing that, you basically are uh, saying to drivers, be free, feel free to use your cars. This is not an anti-car uh, initiative. The idea is, if you're going to use your car, please, along with everybody else in the region that's paying to get into the central business district, please pay your fair share. Because everybody who's using the tunnels to get into the central business district are paying significant tolls. If you're using Metro North, if you're using Long Island Railroad, if you're using express buses, subways, local buses, you're, you know, SBSs, everybody else is paying anywhere from 275 up to 20 or $30 uh, to get into the central business business district. Why is that fair for that one group that takes advantage of those, takes advantage of those free bridges day after day after day? Why is it fair for those people to get a free ride and not contribute to the system? It's not anti-car, as you said, it, but it is uh, meant in some cases to dissuade people from driving. Yes, it, it, it is. It's, I mean, the idea is, is not to, to price any person off the road. Everybody under this plan is still going to use these bridges, even if they're told. Um, the, the truth is, though, is that if you have a choice or if you've got some better transit options, and that's the other half of this plan, um, then you may decide on, on, a, on a given day, you know what, maybe I'm not going to take my car in today. So instead of going every day of the week, maybe you go in once or twice a, a, a week. So, and the idea, to Maria's point earlier, is that there are huge benefits not only under this plan, but under the idea of pricing in general. For instance, um, not only by pricing these uh, facilities do you thin out a little bit of the traffic, which makes the experience much better for that driver because he or she gets to travel in to their destination, into the central business district and around it much faster than they did before. But also, no driver is exclusively a driver, or very few. Everybody takes mass transit sometimes too, and we're using the revenue uh, to plow back into the mass transit system to make transit service better and also to expand its reach. There are still far too many parts of the city in, in, in South Queens, uh, sorry, Southeastern Queens, Eastern Queens, South Brooklyn, Staten Island, even some parts of the Bronx, where there are transit deserts, where people don't have ready and, and easy access to mass transit. Our plan would very specifically look to not just support the MTA's capital plan, but to carve out an additional $4 billion to focus exclusively on improving transit access in those uh, transit deserts. So let's talk about the balance of that a little bit. I think, you know, even six months, let's go back to New Year's Eve. There was this big enthusiasm about- When the governor controlled the MTA at that point. Yes, about expansion projects, right? And look, the Second Avenue subway, it's great. You know, we're expanding the system. Ridership is up. It needs to keep growing. Now we're in the summer of hell and everyone's saying, oh, no, we, you know, this is sort of the time when there's no joy in being a budget watchdog because when you are yelling about how you have to maintain the system, people are ignoring you, but then you don't feel great saying, I told you so. Um, so now we've sort of the pendulum has swung the other way and people are saying, well, we really need to invest in the maintenance of the system and improve the maintenance um, and think less about these expansion projects, perhaps until we can improve our ability to deliver on them. So how does the plan kind of, you know, strike that balance between saying, hey, it's important to have a revenue source that, you know, helps the MTA maintain and improve its state of good repair. But also, as you said, 
it's not easy to get around between boroughs. It's not easy to get in around between, you know, within neighborhoods in a certain borough. And there are, I think, legitimate arguments for expanding um, transit options in these areas. So how do you think about the balance between maintenance and these expansion projects? Well, we agree, of course. You have to, <laughs> you have to maintain and get uh, up to a, you know, a, a, a great standard the existing system we have before you start plowing a lot of money, billions of dollars into building new subway uh, lines, et cetera. We've got to make sure that the system we've got is working well for New Yorkers. So just let me kind of crunch the numbers a little bit on the Move New York plan. As you said, Maria, at the outset, uh, this plan would generate $1.5 billion a year in net revenue. And I want to say, make that clear. That's net of the loss of revenue you get by providing the toll discounts on those seven MTA bridges and also net of the cost of installing and uh, administering and maintaining the new tolling system on along 60th Street and then the East River Bridges. So $1.5 billion a year. Right off the top, we carve out a quarter of that, $375 million a year, which goes into a dedicated road and bridge fund uh, administered by New York City DOT. And the idea is, is that if you're going to ask those drivers, even if they're not paying anything right now, if you're, nonetheless, if you're going to impose a new toll on them, you've got to give them something back. And I think that was one of the failures of, of previous efforts. You've got to give them something back. So a quarter of the money, $375 million a year, in perpetuity, goes to improve the East River Bridges, to improve the Van Wick, the BQE. There's all those major arteries and some smaller ones as well that really are in need of, of, of help. The remaining 1.1 and change billion dollars goes to mass transit. If you bond that over, say, 15, you know, over a longer period, but it's, it, it ends up generating about 15 or 16 billion dollars in revenue that the MTA and the transit system at large can work with. We would take ten billion of that right off the top and just hand it to the MTA, not hand it to the MTA, <laughs> uh, make it available to the MTA uh, for their capital planning. And I think you know the the, the other thing that I hope we can talk about is the need for the various reforms uh, of the MTA to make sure I think people have a right to feel that if they're going to contribute more to the MTA system, that that money is being spent as efficiently, as effectively as possible. But nonetheless, so $10 billion that goes to help support the MTA's capital plan. And yes, that should go primarily into you know repairing and maintaining and upgrading the system we've got and modernizing the signaling systems, you know, updating the rolling stock, et cetera, so that the system we have works well for us. And then money left over uh, could go to contribute towards the Second Avenue subway, second phase. We would like to see some of it. Uh, so I should finish, though. The remaining $5 billion, a billion would go to help uh, mass transit needs in Long Island and the Hudson Valley. They also have needs. They don't have quite the, the same extensive system uh, of buses and obviously no subways out there. They could use a lot of help as well. So a billion would go there. The remaining $4 billion would be that what we call the Transit Gap Investment Fund, which would be very focused particularly on the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn and Staten Island to make sure that they start to get some new uh, transit service uh, that they haven't had before. And what does that mean? So, well, for instance, you know, it would be, and the other thing about this too is that this is not be $4 billion that the MTA would, would make all the decisions on. Uh, this would be a new transit gap investment board, if you will, uh, made up of local officials representing their local districts and their constituents, you know, borough presidents, et cetera. Uh, and obviously the MTA would be very actively involved because you need the expertise to figure out what makes sense and what doesn't uh, to figure out, you know, what kind of projects 
uh, could be could be uh, funded by this by this this fund. Uh, but one idea that we think is a very good one is one that RPA Regional Plan Association has been promoting for a long time, which is Triborough RX. Uh, they might have a new name for it now. But the idea is to use an existing right of way commercial. Uh, uh, track essentially that connects South Brooklyn with the Bronx via Queens uh, as a ready-to-go right-of-way. You don't have to dig a new tunnel. You could have a brand new subway line for what RPA estimates is about a billion dollars that could be done, you know, in a matter of months, probably a year or two, versus you know, ten, twenty. 80 years. Um, and then suddenly you've got a new subway line that connects three non-Manhattan boroughs. One of the problems with our system is that uh, every single uh, subway line, except for the G train, I think, goes into Manhattan before it goes back out to another borough. That makes for very long commutes for a lot of people, particularly those who are commuting between non-Manhattan boroughs. So that's a terrific idea. That's a billion dollars that could be spent, and that would benefit hugely three boroughs. Um, but more SBS service, more express bus service. We would take some of the money and carve it out to fund the fair fares program, which is a really important way to make the city more affordable for low-income people. So low-income people would get uh, discounted metro cards under that program. There's something called Freedom Ticket, um, which is another idea where you're combining a, uh, under one metro card access to multiple modes of transportation from bu- you know buses to uh, metro, uh, sorry, commuter uh, rail to subway. Uh, and then there's the uh, city ticket idea, which is right now you get a discount if you use Metro North or Long Island Railroad on the weekends, uh, but you don't get it during the week when people really need it. And that could go a long way towards filling some of those transit gaps. Some of those transit deserts actually have Metro North or Long Island Railroad lines running through them. But if they cost 8 or 9 or $10 to come from, you know, eastern Queens into the central business district, that's effectively inaccessible because it's unaffordable. No, so I wonder, I mean, I, you know, we haven't taken a position on it, but RX is a project that has a lot of attractive benefits, for example, and, and you know, but in a governance structure where you have these sort of local parties controlling where substantial amounts of money are going to, how do you keep it from becoming just transit pork um, and instead really going to projects that could have the greatest and most transformative effect or the greatest rate of return on the investment? Well, and the devil's in the details, of course, like many things. But in the legislation, we try and create some parameters. You know, So it has to be spent on public transit um, and it has to uh, have, you know, and also you would you would basically carve it up so that the amount would be divvied up among the, the the four boroughs particularly. I mean, I guess Manhattan's included too, but Manhattan, I think, has a lot of good transit o- options. So the money would be divvied up. And then if you're, you know, Queens and Brooklyn and, and, and the Bronx, and you guys all decide that you think that the BQ, you know, the Triborough RX is a terrific idea, then you pull your shares together and you make sure that a billion of your collective fund goes towards that. Um, so that has to be, those are details that have to be worked out. But the idea is to give some of that decision making back to local elected officials and their local constituents because there's a lot of frustration. I mean, one of the things I've heard for seven years is we like this plan, but we don't trust the MTA. We don't trust that you're going to raise all this money for the MTA. And even car drivers have said this. We'll pay these new tolls, but we don't trust that the MTA is going to spend the money properly. So this is a way of ensuring that a good chunk of this money actually goes to the uh, 
you know, to the communities. So as you said, you have some mechanisms in this plan for control, local control. You have ways to keep it from becoming, you know, sort of an MTA general slush fund uh, or adding to just MTA general funding. Um, But you're also prescribing a lot. I mean, as you've indicated here, you really have very specific proposals for new tolls, reducing tolls, where the money goes, all of that, which I think is necessary, right, to put a plan forward of this ambition. So looking forward now, because part of the reason we wanted to talk with you is because we've got some new movement, uh, no pun intended, on this stuff. Um, The governor all of a sudden is saying congestion pricing, its time has come. He's probably going to put forward some sort of proposal at the beginning of next year. That's going to become his. We know that for sure. I mean, you can disagree if you want. But what you know, what do you foresee as the next steps here? You have this plan out. It's got a lot of support. It's got a lot of specificity, but it's going to become something different. What happens now? Have Has your group had conversations with the governor's office? Where do you think this is going? Well, so let me let me just say at the outset, we... We want this to become the governor's plan. We've recognized for seven years since we started this thing in 2010 that in order for it to, well, two things had to happen. One, realistically, we understood that it's hard in a vacuum for legislators, for the governor, for anybody to ask people to pay more than they're paying now. That's just kind of a, you know, a new proposition. Um, it, it's good public policy to do that, to kind of look ahead and see what the needs of the transit system are, so to see what, what kind of impacts and, and costs to the economy, traffic congestion are happening. But it's hard to ask legislators um, uh, to ask folks to pay more. So we kind of understood that a crisis was probably necessary for this plan to really um, get going. Uh, and the second thing we always understood is that the governor has to embrace this and he has to make it his own. So we we recognize that, we acknowledge that, and we encourage that. We want Governor Cuomo to, you know, to to, to take a look at our plan, obviously, but, obvi- but we recognize that he's going to come up with his own plan. However, I will say that one of the things that we will urge the governor to do, should we have the opportunity, um, this is, is the opp- this is it. well, this is an opportunity. <laughs> this is one well, of okay, it. so I will say, <laughs> um, is yes, put your own print on it for sure. Um, and I'm sure he's got his own priorities of things that he wants to do, and th- you know, ways that he would like, you know, projects he'd like to see funded, etc. But don't also throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, there there is a benefit to spending seven long years talking to, you know, literally hundreds of stakeholders, getting input from thousands of people, talking to elected officials, unions, you know, businesses, Republicans, Democrats, you know, grassroots groups, except, you know, everybody. And, and, and that's the plan that we have. It's based on all that input that we've gotten. We have tweaked the plan, you know, a lot in those seven years since we've been uh, since we started developing it, and it really reflects as much of a consensus plan as you could possibly hope to imagine for something this complex. So there are some key elements that we think are really key to making uh, to making this plan effective. One is you obviously have to toll the East River bridges and across 60th Street. Two, we think it's just only fair and it, it's true congestion pricing if you also provide toll relief to the drivers who are using those seven bridges, uh, predominantly, you know, outer borough and, and uh, suburban drivers who are using those. Um, third, you obviously have to 
put um, a significant amount of the money back into roads and bridges, it's only fair that you do so. And if you have any hope of getting support from groups like AAA and the trucking associations, et cetera, you've got to do that as well. And then you've got to make sure that you're investing uh, in the transit system in a way that pays particular attention to the outer boroughs and to those transit deserts um, and to maintaining the system, of course. Um, so those are a couple of the key features. So you don't have much wiggle room, Governor Cuomo. Well, no, 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 <laughs> no. no, no. Well, those are the big, those are big elements, yeah. and there's a lot of details. And as you said, Ben, uh, we do suggest quite a lot of specific ways. Uh, Triborough RX is a good example of specific ways they could spend the money. We understand that the, that the governor and the legislature are going to come up with their own list of priorities, et cetera. But we do hope that they carve out some money for local decision making. The other thing that I didn't mention, I neglected to mention at the outset, is that in addition to tolling to raise revenue, we also put a surcharge on all four hire vehicles within the taxi exclusionary zone, which is basically Manhattan south of 96th Street on the east side of the Central Park, uh, 110th Street on, on, the, on the west side of Central Park. That's a key feature, uh, and it means putting a surcharge on vehicles only when they're driving in that zone, uh, and it would apply to yellow cabs, green cabs, Uber, Lyft, black cars, you know, limousines, et cetera. And they would all, by the way, be exempt from the central business district tolls. Um, we have overwhelming support from Uber has endorsed it. The, the Metro Taxi Board of Trade has endorsed it. The Black Car Fund has endorsed it. And they, the reason they welcome this is because they see that traffic is one of the biggest obstacles uh, to their industry. Because if you're sitting in traffic, you're not turning over fares and you're not making as much money. Neither the cab driver is making as much uh, nor the fleet owner. So we've got support there. And that's a critical piece because that's what makes Manhattanites pay their fair share. Under the Bloomberg plan, Manhattan was number three, I think, in terms of which borough paid the most into the total amount of money that was, you know, pot of money that was raised. Under this plan, Manhattan pays the most, and that's as it should be. It's the wealthiest of the boroughs, and it's also the one that has the greatest benefits in terms of traffic uh, reduction. Are, are um, the tolls reduced in off hours? Are there overnight reductions in this plan, or are they static? Yeah, to keep it simple, especially um, uh, when you're trying to kind of build public support for it, to keep it simple, we just have a, a fixed toll exactly the way the Queens Midtown Tunnel and the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel are tolled today, 576 easy pass, $8 uh, for cash, which in this case, there'd be no cash tolls. It would all be pay by mail uh, uh, tolling if, if you don't have easy pass. Um, but no, right in the legislation, at least the bills that were introduced last year, we, we direct, the MTA is directed to implement variable tolling or time of day uh, tolling um, so that you can, again, make it a true congestion pricing plan. You charge a little bit more during rush hour and you charge less in the middle of the day. You charge even less at night and, and even less in the middle of the night and, and on weekends. Who are your legislative champions? Are you are there specific legislators that you're working with closely on this? Um, and do you need the mayor's um, support, or is that less relevant because the governor is taking it up? Well, ultimately, this is a, a state decision. This is a decision for the governor and for the state legislature. But of course, we want Mayor De Blasio to to support it because. Um, you know, we need all all the leaders. We need all of our political leaders to get behind this thing. This is not an easy thing to do. And I think it would be unhelpful if the mayor was out there pushing against it when the governor and the legislature are trying to get this thing done. And 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 then quite practically speaking, remember that 60th Street and, and the, the Four East River Bridges are city property. Uh, so the city does have to cooperate and to... Does it require a home rule message? 
Uh, it doesn't require it legally, but we certainly would seek it because it just helps grease the wheels a little bit. I think that if you're serving in the in the New York State Legislature, you want to make sure your counterparts representing those same districts, same people uh, in New York City are also behind you. The good news is we already have, uh, I think, 15 or 16 uh, city council members who have come out and publicly endorsed it, and I'm quite confident through conversations that uh, there are at least 26, if not 30 or 40, who, who who would support him. Did you see the mayor's comments the other day? He was asked about it. He said, I think I was briefed about that plan in 2013, but I haven't paid any attention to it recently because there's been no political, you know, no evidence of political will. And, and the reporters that were asking about it said, well, the governor just said he's looking at congestion pricing. So what do you think? And he said, you know, I'm just not up to date on this. So are you... Is your group well, I, talking I, I to City think, Hall? Yeah, we've 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 you know I've briefed the mayor personally on this uh, uh, plan a number of times, and uh, you know they're aware of it and uh, and so on. But in fairness to him, uh, it's it's natural that if you if you if you know that conventional wisdom says that this plan has to be passed in Albany, and you're not really seeing the concrete signs that it's going to be passed in Albany, if you're the mayor of New York, you got a lot of other things to do. Maybe you don't put a lot of stock in that or, or put a lot of effort into it. I mean, obviously, ideally, we would love the mayor to be more of a champion of it. Unless um, that gets the yeah, unless and, 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 Yes, exactly. <laughs> we won't go into all those in, politics way, now. I, I, we won't put you uh, well, what between I, those two. What I'd like to say in the past is that actually Mayor de Blasio has been very helpful in a way because he hasn't been a full-throated champion of it. And he's, he's basically stayed kind of our side of neutral. Expressed openness, acknowledged the merits of the plan, but really decided that it wasn't his his uh, plan to uh, to get behind, and that may have actually been helpful. Okay. Well, we are eagerly awaiting the next steps on this, and we'll. I think we As have a, a lot a lot to come here. Uh, Alex, thank you for joining us here. It's been good talking with you, and we'll certainly look to to talk to you in the future as uh, Move New York uh, may or may not move ahead. Thanks very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Bye. Thank you.